Welcome to the Here's Hope Project, where your story creates hope. I'm Sarah Jane, and in today's episode, we're gonna be speaking with Demi, who has two kids with special needs. Now she has one son named Ollie, who is five, and he has something called caudal regression syndrome. If you haven't heard of it, don't worry, we're gonna get into it. Uh, she also has another son named George, who is three, and he has uh, cerebral palsy. Uh, so having one child with special needs can be overwhelming. So having two is twice as hard, if not more. Um, so we're going to talk today just about what daily life looks like, uh, what kind of stresses and worries she has, how it affects her relationships with friends and family, uh, even her husband. Uh, we have quite a bit that we're going to talk about today, so you'll, you'll want to stay for the whole thing. Uh, I don't want to say too much, though, because I want you to watch. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's just go meet Demi. Cause it's here where we lay in my blanket of despair Where I'm weak but I'm strong and black smoke fills the air Demi, it is so good to see you. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so I guess to give our listeners just a little bit of background, uh, you and I have known each other for a few years now. Mm -hmm. And I found you guys because you had a photo that went viral. It was a photo of you and Ollie at a Target. And Ollie was looking up at a clothing advertisement that had a kid in a wheelchair just like him. And it was such a sweet and heartwarming photo, you know, and it really showed the impact and the importance that inclusion can have. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it really did. And the photo, like I said, ended up going viral. Uh, you were on the Kelly Clarkson show. You gained thousands of followers. You have over 14,000 followers now. And, you know, it, you're out here just inspiring people and spreading awareness. And you are doing an incredible job at that, honestly. You really are at just sharing yeah. all your story. Thank and, you. Yeah, of course. And, and it's not just Ollie's story. I mean, Ollie has a younger brother, George who is three, and he has his own struggles with cerebral palsy. And yeah, I mean, I think one of the things, there's so many things that I admire about you and just am really inspired by, but one of the things I think that kind of drew me to you as well is that I don't know that many families that have two special needs kids. And so I'm super curious about just what life is like and how you kind of deal with the everyday struggles. Um, yeah. Yeah, yes. it's a different life for sure. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm definitely, yeah, it must be. So so let's just get to it. Uh, I mean, I'd like to start with Ollie because Ollie is five and he has something called caudal regression syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that most of the people uh, listening have never heard of that. I mean, I've never heard of that until I met you. Uh, so can you explain what caudal regression syndrome is and then sort of the struggles and obstacles that Ollie faces? Yeah, it's, um, like you said, not heard of. It's very rare. There's uh, one in 100,000 births. And um, so it's, you know, there's really just a community of maybe 2,000 people in the world documented and that have able, been able to connect. Um, but, you know, really his condition, um, it's a malformation of the spine that causes deformities to the lower body. And um, in Oliver's condition, he is missing from T11 of his spine all the way down. And um, his legs are fixed in a Buddha-style position. And he's got complications with some of his lower internal organs, um, you know, that we face with daily. Um, but, you know, he's a strong, 
go get her <laughs> and nothing nothing stops him from doing what he wants to do no it really doesn't and that's that's one of the things i was and i'm sure i've told you before that really inspires me i mean he's pretty independent for five and yeah yeah for being paralyzed too you know there's there's a lot of limitations he has but there's more that he doesn't have which you know in in when you look on paper it looks like a scary thing but he's he's doing fantastic and he's thriving yeah he really is i mean when you see him i'm so impressed by the things that he can do i mean he can skateboard he likes kayaking he was you just were got back from archery just now before coming on here uh he can he does gymnastics i mean things that you wouldn't normally think that he could do he finds a way and i love that yes yeah. i i think we sometimes put as a society put limits on people especially that have disabilities and really we they surprise they would surprise us just with the thing they just find different ways to do it they can still do it just maybe a different way uh, yeah. yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's definitely limitations to every disability and, and limitations aren't always a bad thing. Um, you know, you, you want to embrace who you are, but you want to also explore what you can do and what you would be surprised you can do a lot more than what you think you can usually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you have all this stuff going on with Ollie. And then a few years later, George is born and I know he was healthy, seemed everything seemed great until about six weeks when you found out he had cerebral palsy. And so what kind of thoughts went through your mind when you realized that now you had two kids with disabilities? Um, to be honest, at first, I was very numb to it. I, I didn't have a lot of reaction. Um, I, I kind of feel like I didn't um, accept it at first. You know, um, they when you get a cerebral palsy diagnosis, it's because of typically a brain bleed. And um, when you have that, um, they don't diagnose you with cerebral palsy until months or years later, because it's technically the complications that come with whatever has happened. So we didn't technically get the diagnosis, but we knew that it would be in the future. So unfortunately, you're left with this little glimpse of hope that things might heal and get better. And, you know, they usually don't. And that's where you get the diagnosis. But, um, you know, as time went on and we started to really see the symptoms and accept what was really happening in, in his body, um, you know, there was there was definitely some hard times. But, um, you know, you kind of just learn to roll with it and and take it day by day and do your best. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of day by day, what does a typical day look like for you? Well, we try and keep things as normal as possible. We try and make it look like a, a regular day-to-day -day family. We have a lot of therapies and doctor's appointments and, you know, getting the kids ready for school takes a lot longer with AFOs and SMOs and their wheelchairs in and out of the car. But aside from that, we try and do breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, we do things on the weekends as a family. Um, you know, we take trips if we can, which is a whole other experience. Yeah, that's another <laughs> but, ordeal. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's a different conversation, but um, it's we, we wouldn't survive if we tried to be as much of a normal family as possible. Yeah, normalcy, that's, it's pretty cool and good that you're able to maintain that and do that. Uh, so what would you say that like the most emotionally challenging thing is when it comes to raising your boys? Um, 
I would say at the top would be um, worrying about their future. You know, it's it's you can worry about the day to day and the stress of appointments and worrying about insurance and funding and worrying about, I mean, their health in general, you know, is, is always a day to day concern. But worrying about their future is probably the biggest struggle that um, me and their dad has. Um, not knowing, you know, in their future, are they going to be successful? Are they going to be taken care of? Are they going to be happy? And those, and we don't know, you know, with the, and the, we can do the best we can every day to set them up for success and, you know, advocate for them and, and get their communities to support them. So when we're not around, they can be supported in other ways. Um, but there's so many unknowns. And until that happens, it, it's nerve wracking. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm sure a big part of that too is finances. Like, will they be able to support themselves or if they need government aid, how does that work? Uh, and if they'd even be able to get it. So. Yeah. Financial aid and support. Um, you know, when, when you're disabled, you're unfortunately kept under poverty line. And, um, with that, you aren't allowed to make more than a certain amount of money. And currently it's only $2,000, you know, that you can have at one time, which means you can't save for a house, you can't save for a car, you can't save for anything to get ahead in your future. And um, when you're a family, it's hard, but as an individual trying to, you know, when my kids are 18, 19, 20, trying to start their life, um, that's gonna be difficult for them. Yeah. $2,000 is not enough. <laughs> and I, I think what were no. you, you said that that like the law came into effect in like 1989 or 86. Um, it was like 1986 or seven or something like that. Um, where yeah, $2,000 and you know, the economy has changed and they've tried passing bills and they're, they're currently right now trying to pass another bill to raise that to $10,000 in the past. It's been denied. And, um, we fully expect it to be denied again, unfortunately, but um, it's it's kind of a hot topic right now. So we're hoping that the more fire that we raise um, will make that change. Yeah, I mean, I hope they do. I mean, $10,000 would be make a big difference because, I mean, it's kind of a system that's set up for failure right mm -hmm. now to only to have $2,000 in your pocket. Like you can't go above that. Yeah, you can't even pay, a, you know, any apartment to rent for that price with your utilities. You can't get a used car for that price, practically. Yeah, I mean, um, there's that, but then also, too, like, the appointments that they have, PT, a, like, a wheelchair could cost maybe, like, $1,500, but insurance may not even cover it or won't cover all of that. And so there's a lot of expenses and things that you have to consider. So absolutely. I hope it does get increased. Me, too. Yep. Yeah. So what would you say the most, or I don't how are you able to find, like maintain a sense of positivity and hope about their future? Um, you know, like, like I said, day to day stuff, um, you know, when, when they hit milestones that you didn't expect them to hit or you expected it, but it's going to take years longer. Um, it's the little things that really keep you going. Um, with, you know, our little Georgie, you know, he's three years old and he just took his first steps in a walker. And that was huge because I never thought he would be able to stand. And he currently, he can't even sit up on his own for more than a couple seconds. And so being able to stand up and use his legs, you know, tells me he's, he's got the potential. And um, so that brings a lot of hope 
into our into our house when they do stuff that you know they can do and if they can if we know that they're not making milestones or not making their goals we find hope in other things like they're you know they're both very smart boys and we're so blessed that they're going to be you know doctors and lawyers hopefully someday <laughs> you never know they could be uh, yeah but oliver yeah. wants to be a doctor so Fingers awesome. crossed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> but yeah, I remember uh, with George, how excited you got just with his gait trainer with how mm -hmm. he was. And so now he's able to walk independently just a few steps, though. Uh, with uh, we have to still hold his hands um, or he has a little um, it's called a nimbo walker, but it looks like a little granny walker and that has no trunk support. So that abdomen support is usually what's really needed for him. Um, but now that he's able to hold himself up better and walk on his own, he just needs that balance, stability, and he's he's going. And he'll, he'll keep on going. <laughs> oh, yes. He, every day he asks, I want to walk, I want to walk, I want to walk. And, you know, he's got the motivation, so we have the motivation. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about the kids is they tend to uh, inspire the parents so much and give them the hope and positivity they need because the kids really are. Yeah. Inspiring. And they really are determined and go after it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Their happiness is, is really what keeps us going. Yeah. I would think it would be. Uh, so we talked about the future, about how that's so stressful, but what would you say is the most overwhelming thing just with day to day that's hard? Um, the limitations that we have, you know, um, we, if let's say I have one or both boys in the car we can't just walk our toddler into the gas station to get a, a, a Gatorade. You know, we can't um, run into the store unless we have the equipment with us. And if we don't, we have to plan our whole day around it. Um, you know, so physically, you know, we're constantly lifting equipment and some of it's light, some of it's heavier than me. Um, carrying the boys, you know, as they get bigger and bigger and bigger, um, takes a toll on our body and that's becoming stressful. You know, I need to get in better shape so I can, you know, carry George when he's 15 years old <laughs> and that's going to be, um, something we have to work on. But, um, day to day, it's just <sighs> getting from one point to another. Every, every step that we do throughout the day is a transition and it's a task and it's a challenge. Um, even just getting the kids to school, we have to make sure their chairs are loaded and, you know, finding the right parking spot at school and then loading, unloading the chairs. And we can't just pull up to the curb like everybody else and open the door and the kid runs out. We have to get out, get around the car, unload, unbuckle, you know, our three and five-year-old, which most three and five-year-olds are still in car seats and booster seats, but they will always be in car seats and booster seats um, for a majority of their childhood. And so that's just one step that we have to do for longer, you know, and, there, and there's toileting and it's just a lot of a little extra steps that we have to do and it takes a toll on us. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of steps. What would you say helps you stay like grounded or just helps you cope with that, with the overwhelm? Um. You know, we just have to remind ourselves that it's not that hard. And there are people who have it a lot harder than us. You know, we've seen situations where there's kids who, you know, unfortunately need 
full 24 hour around the clock care. And I'm thankful that my boys can still have independent time and do some things independently. And some people don't have that luxury. And that's a lot harder than, you know, what we have to deal with. So I just remind myself that um, it could be harder, it could be worse. And they're healthy and happy. And we just, we just got the cards that we got and we have to live with it. Everybody's yeah. life is different and this is ours. Yep. Okay. So I ask almost every parent this when they come in, this is my eighth episode. And for those listening, I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, but it's just because it's an important question. And that is, how do you find me time? How do you it's hard. It, it really is because you've you've adapted your whole identity around caretaking. And because that's the only thing that you're used to and you're dedicated to, and it's it's what you do all day, every day, finding that me time is very hard. Um, and I've needed help. <laughs> you know, I've sometimes your me time is being able to go to the grocery store for an hour. Sometimes it's being able to take a nap while the kids are napping. It's kind of like back to when you have a newborn, when you don't have an identity for several months, you're just that mom. And, um, you know, recently I've, I've met a wonderful group of mom friends from school and we went out for drinks the other day. And that was amazing. Cause I don't think I've done that in 10 years. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, we got to go out and have girl time and hang out for two whole hours. It was, it was wonderful. That's amazing because, uh, I mean, for like even for you and your husband just to go out and have a date, it's not like it's easy to get a babysitter because of all the needs and the care that they have. Uh, so did your husband stay behind and you were able to go? Yes. Yeah. Do you yeah, get, it was nice. <laughs> yeah. So I know your mom can come over sometimes to help. Do you get or, like any dates with your husband or anything? How does this affect a marriage? Um, it's difficult. Um, you know, we like you said, finding a babysitter is extremely difficult. Um, we have my mom, but she can only do an hour or two at a time. And, you know, she has her life and her schedule. And so it's hard for her to step away and, you know, do a late night date night type thing. And so, you know, usually it's just a couple hours where me and my husband get to run errands together without the kids. Um, we don't really get overnights or trips or vacations or anything like that because our kids are high needs. And as much as other kids, people don't want to watch our kids, we struggle to put our kids in other people's hands because we're so, you know, protective and we want them to be in the best care and, and it's hard. So yeah, it's, it's affected our marriage in ways that we didn't think it would. And there's been trials and, you know, where, we just have to rely on each other and support each other, even when we are broken and beaten down. And um, this kid, having disabled kids can make or break a marriage. Unfortunately, it, it goes one way or the other. And we, we strove to prove that wrong and say that, you know, we're not going to let this break us. We are going to do everything we can to unite and do what's best for the kids and share these struggles together. Yeah, that's great. Because like you said, it is kind of, there's a high divorce rate in mm -hmm. whether you have a chronically ill child or special needs, because it's hard. That's a hard life. It's very difficult. Yeah. And, you know, you thought two parents, two individuals in the world coming together to raise a child, you know, you have your different opinions and your different ways of raising a child. And when you bring in a disability, everything changes because now you're raising a child in such a complex way. And, 
that really puts strain on two people who are, you know, everybody has this idea of how they want to raise a child. And when you come together and you bring on that strain, it's harder. Yeah. So, I mean, it obviously affects the marriage. Uh, I mean, congratulations for one, because that's a hard thing to get through. And it sounds like it's making you stronger. Uh, how yeah. would you say it affects your relationship just with family and friends? Um, well, we have noticed that, um, you know, whether it's intentional or unintentional, we have been secluded from a lot of family and friends. We have a couple close family members who just adore the boys and will do anything to be around them, which is such a blessing and a big help for us. Um, but we are, I hate to say the word, a burden to other people. And, you know, they, they ask us if we want to go out or want to do stuff and this and that, and we can tell them no 10 times, but we still want to be invited. We still want to be included. Um, our life is complicated. It's not as scheduled as everybody else, you know, things happen almost every day and, um, we want to be a part of it. And it's hard when, we have friends who, you know, they say they understand, they say they love us, but have slowly separated themselves from our lives because um, it's too complicated for us to be involved. And the thing is, it's not complicated for them. It's complicated for us. But if we are willing to do it, it's worth it because it, it brings us out of our shell. It brings us into the world and into the community. And that's really what's needed. Yeah, that's one unfortunate thing, I think, is you know, in the beginning, maybe you're invited to a lot of things and then they're so used to getting the answer. No, like, no, I can't do it. Or we have this. And then they just stop asking. And I know what that feels like in terms of me, I, I'm very, I isolate myself. I'm not a very people person social. And that happens with me too. It's just, you know, I, I'll say no a lot because I'm just not feeling well or just have a lot of anxiety or things like that. Just a bad day. And it just, they just expect you to say no. And so it just mm -hmm. doesn't happen. But yeah, uh, that's an unfortunate thing. Um, yeah. I, I personally, I, I strive to get other members of the community, um, out together. And, um, I run a small organization that's local where we provide a free events for kids with disabilities. And, um, we provide events in the community and it's, it's a way to bring kids and families together without the strain of having to, um, you know, sign up for an adaptive sport, which all kids not want, don't always want to do a sport. So sometimes they just want to go ice skating or out to pizza. And, you know, this community is so important to have, especially having other people who understand what you're going through one way or another. Um, it's, it's a connection and you need that connection. And so whether you're invited by friends from high school that, you know, have their own kids and do their own thing, that can be complicated. But when you go out and are on the ice with 10 other people who are in wheelchairs, that's like, it's, it's a day in heaven. It really is because you feel so accepted. There's no questions, no concerns. Everybody's, con you know, worried about the same things as you. And because of that, we all let go of those worries. And um, it's a beautiful thing to just have fun. Oh, that is, that's beautiful. That's amazing. I did not know you did that. What's yeah. the organization called? What's it called? It's, yeah, it's called Arizona Junior Disabled Friends. And um, a, probably about four or five times a year, we do really fun things out in the community. And, you know, sometimes we only have a couple kids. Sometimes we have 15 families. Sometimes we have 30 families. 
Um, we just recently had a Halloween barbecue and, you know, we had over a hundred people show up and it was, it was just so fun. You got to make the change in the world when you need to. Exactly. Create the change you want to see in the world. Exactly. Yes. Uh, so what kind of for parents, other parents maybe like you that are just really stressed and have the, or maybe even just starting out, what kind of advice or any, is there anything you could say to help it, help make it easier for them? Um, I would say, you know, it gets easier and I, and it, it, it gets easier and it gets harder, but it becomes more of a flow. You get used to the ins and outs. You get used to the hard and the easy, and it becomes something that you're used to. And like I said, it does sometimes get harder in different ways, but it's not as hard to handle. Um, you get very used to it. Um, you know, like find that community, find those people who understand you and not just on Facebook, find them in person, go out, hang out, play, you know, <laughs> be in the community and show the world around you that you are like everybody else and you deserve the same happiness as everybody else. Um, be your child's biggest advocate and never stop. Um, you know, you just, you just got to keep going and um, don't forget who you are as a person because that is really easy to lose. And you just got to really, as, as much as your identity becomes that special needs parent, you are still yourself. And you have to remember that and you have to really just keep, you know, keep your identity, you know, as much as you can. Yeah, that's great advice. That's a lot of advice, but it's good advice. It is. There's, nice. I could speak for hours on it, but yes, that's the the gist of it. <laughs> yeah. So for any parent that's listening, if they have any questions or want to reach out, uh, or maybe someone listening also has a child with caudal regression syndrome, because that's very rare to find someone. Mm -hmm. uh, how can they find you and reach you? Um, you know, I've got a couple different ways you can find me um, through my son's Facebook page, Ollie's World. Um, that's, you know, that's a good one. Um, even if you're not in Arizona, you can contact me on Facebook through Arizona Junior Disabled Friends um, or just my Facebook, you know, Demi Brianna Porter. Um, you know, I am beyond happy to help anybody far and wide in any way that you need. You know, I've I've helped a lady in London with her child um, when she was newly diagnosed with caudal regression syndrome. They were stuck in the hospital. Their doctors didn't know what was going on. And I put 110% into getting them out of the hospital and getting them into a really comfortable life and where they were happy and, and ready to move forward. And so I am there for anybody who needs me, whether it's caudal regression syndrome or any disability of any kind, I am there to help. I will educate, I will educate myself, learn with you, be there for you. One of the most, or one of the very, I don't know, many beautiful things about you. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Is there anything else we didn't, oh, well, for anyone listening that does want to contact or reach out to her, I will put this information in the description of the podcast. Uh, but outside of that, is there anything else that maybe we didn't talk about or that you want people to know or just about what life is like? Oh, you know, um, not really. Um, I think it's, it's just mostly, um, finding that comfortable spot in the world. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect and happy. And, you know, you don't have to look at the pictures of other families on Facebook and think, wow, I wish I had that because 
not everybody has that. Everybody in the world has a different life and you have to find what your life is going to look like and how it's supposed to be comfortable. Again, doesn't have to be perfect. Nobody's life is perfect. Everybody's got something going on and this is what you've got. And this is just how you're going to roll your dice and, and play the game. Yeah. And don't compare yourself with others or other families. It's a big Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. That's the hardest thing to do in the beginning, but you cannot compare yourself. Well, all right. Thank you for coming Thank on. You. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it was my pleasure. <laughs>